Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, the dynamic duo is back together. We are going to be recapping the Edmonton Oilers game, previewing the Vancouver Canucks game, and because it is our Monday episode, it is time for three up and three down. Plenty of prospects impressed this week, plenty of veterans did not, and you're going to have to see who's on our list all inside today's show. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 739 of Lockdown Canadians. As always, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. If you are listening to us wherever you get your podcast, and if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you so much for subscribing. Please make sure you ring the bell, tell your friends. If you ring that bell, you get notified every time we post a new video or we go live, which is usually me eating something disgusting. And if you are new here for in the last week or so, I am one of your regular co-hosts. I am Scott Matla. I have been on vacation for the last week, and by vacation, I mean sitting at this same desk, just staring at my other monitor, playing Call of Duty for six hours a day, because that is who I am as a person. And I have to thank my fantastic host, the active stick, Laura Saba, who is here with me, for holding it down for the week while I was off trying to recuperate and keep you know, myself sane during the holiday season. And Laura, uh, it's good to be back. How are we doing today? Never leave me again. <laughs> Solo hosting's hard, isn't it? It is. Like, it's hard. And I have to say thank you to you because I know you've been stepping up a lot. I've had work trips. I've had life stuff going on. So I do appreciate it. And I appreciate our listeners. Uh, most of them were very supportive and kind. I also had a couple of guests that I'm happy about. Uh, you know, Lauren Kelly, check out that episode. We covered OHL prospects. JD Young, we talked about the Sharks game and rebuilding. And then we had the lovely gentleman from the Scorch Stack talking about the Calgary Flames. Uh, and it was honestly, I, I appreciate our guests so much, but I'm very happy that you're back and we can get back to our regular schedule. And with our schedule, we have a couple of programming notices before we jump into our Oilers game recap today. On Tuesday, uh, you will hear this Tuesday morning. We are recording it Monday night before the Vancouver Canucks game. We are sitting down with Erica from Locked on Seattle Kraken. So you can subscribe to them at Locked on Kraken. We're doing a little crossover event there. We're going to talk Shane Wright, I'm sure, and everything before the Habs play the Kraken at 10 p.m. on Tuesday night. And because of the lateness of the Canucks game, we are going to take that recap and the Canucks re- or the Kraken recap. And after the Kraken game on Tuesday night, we're going to combine them and do one big late-night recap episode. So if you don't hear the recap Tuesday morning, it's coming. We're going to do a West Coast one right there because, quite frankly, we have full-time jobs and the game starts at 10.30 p.m. It's a late night that neither of us, unfortunately, are going to be able to get and give you the best quality things there. So please stay tuned for all of that. And speaking of recaps, the Canadians and Oilers played what I can only say was one of – I don't want to say it was a dumb game – but watching it, it was frustrating in that the Canadians refused to stop taking penalties. The Oilers refused to stop taking penalties. No one really looked good in this game. The Oilers were run by Dreisaitl and McDavid to the shock of nobody. And the rest of their team was non-existent. And the Canadians just, you know, kind of fell to superstar power. Arbor Jack, I scored. Nick Suzuki scored. You know, it was, it was a good time was had by some at the end of this game. <laughs> 
And I look at it and I go, I'm frustrated because this was a winnable game that got thrown away through taking one. How many? They had what? Three five on three power penalty kills in this game. Like you can't win hockey games that way when you're playing against Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. It's just you can't do it. It's another learning experience. And Nick Suzuki took that to heart. But I look at that game and I go, they could have easily won this had they, you know, kept their heads on at least slightly straight at this point. I do want to say, though, I do think the officiating was bad. Yes. It I was. Like, <laughs> sorry. I, I like the way the Canadians played at even strength. And that's really, really key here is that they really outplayed the Oilers. And the Oilers have way more issues than we think. You know, every time every time the Canadians play them, for whatever reason, they like there's a new issue that surfaces. And for me, not being able to dominate the Canadians at even strength is a huge red flag. If you're an Oilers fan or if you're the Oilers front office, something's wrong there. But the Canadians obviously didn't help themselves. Like, you know, we were saying, stay out of the box, stay out of the box, stay out of the box. But if you looked at the way that it was called, it was definitely tilted. I'm going to say it's tilted. Whether it was through incompetence or on purpose, I don't know. But there were some, you know, sometimes you, you would see, I mean, I was on Game Over uh, for, the, for the post game. And, you know, we talked about how Connor McDavid was doing blatant diving and being rewarded for it, right? Like there's stuff like that where you don't need to call them. There's somewhere. Yes, you call it. And then there were some where it was like, okay, well, you just let an oiler get away with the exact same thing three seconds ago. What is what is the deal here, right? So obviously, if I were Nick Suzuki, I would be very frustrated. And I would throw the puck all the way around down the <laughs> um, You know, I everybody's like, oh, that's not a mature captain move. First of all, leave Nick Suzuki alone. If we I were all made, I would have done I would have done I would do, I would have done worse. <laughs> yeah, we all make mistakes. And the thing for me is that before McDavid scored the goal that, you know, kind of sealed it and made it a I believe a 4-3 game or a a 5-3 or whatever the final score was. 6 3? Was it 6 3? 5 3? 6 3? I don't even remember. I was so mad. I think it's 5 3. <laughs> but they missed a blatant trip through like the middle of the offensive zone late in the period. The cannot or the Oilers eventually get the puck and go down ice and score on McDavid breakaway. I'm like, they should be killing a penalty right now. And our friend Ian Bauer said it best. Like they're gonna they're not gonna call anything in the third period, and they didn't call anything in the third period. And it's it's that game management thing. And you know, I don't want to talk about the officiating too much. Like it's just not good. We will talk about Joel Edmondson's penalty in another segment here. I promise you that. <laughs> um, with the Canucks coming up here, the Canucks are still in a very vulnerable spot. They're dangerous, mind you. They can score goals in bunches, but the defense isn't good. The goaltending's still been suspect, and they're a team that is very fragile. It reminds me a lot of last year's Canadians that when they get down, there's no, there's no oomph and pushback here. And that my thought is, stay out of the box and win the game at five on five because you can do that. You have the bodies to do that. And they could use some from, they could use a veteran to step up in this game. Suzuki, Caulfield, and Doc, great. You know, Slefkowski's look great in the top six. I want to see a Josh Anderson moment. I want to see from Yol Armia. The fourth line's been playing fourth line, what they're supposed to do. But we need to see a, you know, a Josh Anderson game here. Someone's got to step up in that. And I think I'm not worried about the goaltending right now. It is what it is. But, you know, 
just kind of simplify it and stop taking so many stupid penalties, honestly. I mean, who among us? Who among us doesn't take stupid penalties against the Edmonton Oilers? Um, as it is our Monday episode as well, that means it is time for three up and three down. And as always, we start with our down segment just because, uh, well, we like to get the negative out of the way first before we, you know, effuse praise on all the great parts of the Montreal Canadiens organization. And that's all coming up next. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Athletic Greens. And I got to tell you, there's no better way to start your morning than with Athletic Greens because with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're getting 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. And this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, helps boost energy, recovery, focus, and fighting aging, all of those things. Just one little scoop in the morning. And I got to tell you, it's lifestyle-friendly, so if you are dairy-free or gluten-free, or doing keto or whatever, Athletic Greens is a fit for that. There's no GMOs in this, and it costs less than $3 a day. And it's, you know, you know me, I love my energy drinks, but it's cheaper than doing that every single morning to help get that boost. And it has over 7,000 five-star reviews, and it's recommended by professional athletes and leading health experts. So folks, right now, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every morning. That's it, and there's no need for a million different pills or supplements to look after your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, great for those winter months when there's a lot less sunlight, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We are back here at Locked On Canadians, and it is Monday. It is time for three up and three down. As you know, we always get our down out of the way first, just so we can kind of get the the stench of the bad off of us last week. And I don't think there's going to be much argument between us on this, and maybe we have a different order of things. My down starting this week is going to be Joel Edmondson, and it was going to be before he took a five-minute major and game misconduct cross-checking penalty. And I want to I want to touch on that first before I go into everything else about Joel Edmondson because I think I actually had my my most rational take of all time relating to officiating here. I am fine with that penalty call if that was the standard in which the NHL calls cross-checking major penalties. They will not call that a major penalty when it happens three times by Monday night. Did he cross-check him in the neck? Yes. It did cause an injury because uh, Hyman hit his head and the visor cut him on his forehead. It's a just penalty for a play that shouldn't be in the NHL. And I understand why people are not calling it that because we've seen worse. If that is the standard, great. I do not believe the NHL will hold it to that standard because the NHL is abysmal at doing so. But even before that, some of Joel Edmondson's decision-making since coming back from injury and in the past week has been not great. Uh, he's been chasing plays. He's kind of out of position, trying to do a little bit too much. I know there's probably a lot of rust there coming back. I know he didn't play a ton at the end of last season either. But at a certain point, you're scratching guys like Kovacevic and Jordan Harris or Arbor Jacki who aren't showing those same wrinkles in their game that Edmondson or even David Savard are. 
And I think that's bad news because I know they, they Joel Edmondson is a leader for this Canadians team. He's got to show that in his play and more than just, you know, I'm the guy in the locker room, you know, I want to start seeing a little bit more from, I don't care if he doesn't put up a ton of points. Stabilize your defensive pairing is all I'm asking for. Caden Gooley shouldn't be doing all the lifting for a guy who is a longtime NHL vet at this point. That's the thing. Like the problem with everything that makes me angry about Joel Edmondson is that when he does it, the, the thought that goes through my mind is Joel Edmondson knows better than this, right? You've been in the NHL long enough. You've had enough training. It's every single time it's Joel Edmondson knows better than this. So that's why he's firmly on my down list. And I don't think it's a case where he can't turn it around. He just needs to chill out and like make better decisions. Just make better choices with your life, Joel Edmondson. Make better choices. That's all we're asking. We've seen him be that guy. Like he was there for that playoff run and he was a stabilizing presence. And does he miss he Jeff Petrie? Yeah. Probably, but you know, a lot of us probably miss Jeff Petrie. Uh, stabilize and simplify. I'm not asking you to be a superhero out there, you know, make it easier for your rookie defensemen to adjust. And this kind of transitions into uh, one of the other vets on this team that I kind of mentioned in the last segment. I want to see more from Josh Anderson. He hasn't yes. scored in seven games. It's been almost 100%. a month. It's he has, I think f- seven points on the season in 22 games and is stapled to a top six spot. I love the idea of what Josh Anderson is at his peak. And we have seen him at his peak before where he is scoring two goals a game and he is just unplayable because of his speed and power. I don't see it right now. And if teams are truly actually still interested in this, if you're Kent Hughes, you have to look at this and go, is this a long-term solution or not? And right now, given the way the Canadians want to play the game, I don't think it is. I love I love Josh Anderson. He is such a unique package of a player. The inconsistencies are are an issue with this team where that's a spot that, okay, if you want inconsistencies, do you want a Jesse Ullinen or a Rafael Harvey Pinard or even Uri Slavkovsky in that spot to learn? And right now, uh, I don't know. It's I, I love the power horse. I do. They got to get figure out what they can do to get him on track because his secondary scoring, I think would help take a lot of pressure off of Caulfield and doc on that top line there. And I just, I want to see that Josh Anderson back because Holy crap. Is he fun when he's on? He's fun. When he's off, you wouldn't even know he's in the lineup. The thing with Josh Anderson is that he's fast and he's big, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's cerebral and every other player they're trying to put on this team is cerebral, right? They, the people they're drafting, the people they're developing, the people they're trading for, whatever they inherited is different. And I think Josh Anderson is just not a hockey, uh, like a smart hockey guy. I, like, I love watching what he does, but he's not creative and he's not dynamic and he's he's fast. He's skilled. I mean, he's, he's got some skill, but it's not in his mind. And so when you're expecting that from him, he's not going to deliver. So I'm disappointed in him and his performance, yes. And obviously there's a whole lot of stuff that goes into it, but they need to utilize him a little bit better because it is fun to watch him. It's fun to watch him forecheck and then it's fun to watch him backcheck because they look the same and it's fun and it's barrelly <laughs> and it's, you know, the railroads like, you know, just taking people out on the way to the, to the goal. It's fun. It's just, I'm not seeing any of that. Like he's not like a wizard, 
right? He's not a Nick Suzuki. He's not a Cole Caulfield. He's not a Kirby Doc, which is fine. It's just that you can't expect him to perform like that. Like Sean Monaghan's smart. Like he's got hockey smarts, right? Not Josh Anderson. So they need to put him in a better position and he needs to do better. Like they need to figure out a way to use him to everyone else's advantage if they can't use him to his own. I almost wonder if it's like, I know his game is based off of speed and power, but it's like, you're, he's quick to accelerate. So it's like, maybe just slow it down a little bit and just try to read the play a little bit. You know, it's like a kid who wants to ride his bike without training wheels and doesn't want to go slow at first and just wants to go down the biggest hill and inevitably crashes into things and shatters their collarbone. Like Josh Anderson would probably do. It almost feels like it's like, Hey, just slow down. Cause he has shooting talent and he has, we know he can do things and it's, it's very frustrating. And it's like, I'm not saying I want to, you know, kick him off the team or anything like that before anyone gets mad. It's just, we know he can be better than what he's at right now. And we need and, to see that. Yes. Um, just a quick down at the end here. It's uh, the rock goaltending is bad. Uh, Kevin Poulin gave up seven goals last night. It was, or six goals in an empty netter in a very strange game in Abbotsford uh, in BC. The biggest thing is I look at this team as they score goals in bunches offensively, great defensively, everything's kind of bad. And the goaltenders aren't making a save to help anybody out. Um, they traded away another defenseman uh, for future considerations to a Calder cup contender every year in Chicago and Justin Barron and Madison Bowie are injured. So um, there's one more game that I'm watching after this. So, We'll see how that goes. Uh, Laura, do you have any parting three down thoughts before we move into our next segment? No, I'm going to defer to you on the rocket as I always do. <laughs> so we will wrap up our final segment. We're going to talk about our three ups and trust me, there's so many options this week that it's very, very hard to pick and choose from. And that's all coming up next. But first today's show is brought to you by our friends at bet online. And they're your number one source for all your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis, whatever you could possibly need. You can bet on basketball. You can bet on NCAA football. The uh, college playoff picture is all set. The top four teams are ready to go. The NFL's in full swing. Obviously, hockey's in full swing. World Cup right, is happening currently. English soccer's a couple of weeks away after that. And they're the fastest and easiest way to do everything. So head to their website today. That's betonline.net. And use your mobile device to learn more about the action and the trends. And remember, folks, bet online. It's where the game starts. We are back here at Lockdown Canadians. It is our final segment of our Monday episode. We always like to end on a nice positive note because that is who we are. And it is our three up segment of the week. And Laura, um, I will give you uh, free reign for the second one here, but I think we agree on the first one here. Nick Suzuki is just giving double middle fingers to everyone who said he would eventually regress. Nick Suzuki is, I'm not saying immune to regression, but is doing his absolute best to stave that off, to continue to just dominate as a captain of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, great goal against the Oilers. I expect him to have a good game against the Canucks defense here. Nick Suzuki, am I right? Nick Suzuki. We love <laughs> Nick Suzuki. Sorry, is it too late? For those of you watching on YouTube, is it too late to use my hair as one of the downs for the last segment? <laughs> it's not behaving. Um no, Nick Suzuki, honestly, like I, I talked about it on Game Over as well, like that intensity that he has is just incredible. And 
every night, you know, we talked about it on this podcast, like we're going to measure the success, success of the season in watching the future of this team get better. And when you're looking at a player like Nick Suzuki, and obviously with all the naysayers, like you're watching him and you're making sure he's not going to regress to the mean. Like, and he doesn't regress. He's Nick Suzuki, okay? So I just, I find that he, I'm constantly impressed with him, even when I know he's capable of it. He just kind of adds that that next gear every single time. And I can't believe that he's a Montreal Canadian. Thanks, Vegas. Yeah, really. Like, he's a stunningly good player, like, across the board. Like, how do you not love him? And I know I'm, I'm going to uh, defer to you here in a second, too. Uh, who else is on your up list this week? It, we could spend this entire show talking about Nick Suzuki, but we do have two other ups that we have to get to in this show. So I'm kind of torn on this one because after the Thursday game, I was going to say it was going to be Jake Allen. And then on Saturday, he wasn't all that great. Like his, his save percentage was terrible. But I was thinking about all the five on threes and all the penalty kills and all of that. So I'm still going to say that Jake Allen improved enough to have that phenomenal game against Calgary and steal it. And I'm still going to consider that as a good sign that he's on his way back. On Game Over, we talked about it. We don't usually want to talk about what's going on in a player's personal life. But there is a newborn at his house right now. And I understand that he's probably like his schedule is probably a little bit, you know, exhausting at the moment. I also think that the Canadians should not have played him on Saturday night. I think they should have played Samuel Montembeau. And then I would have done, and I I said this again, so those of you watching both shows, sorry for the repetition, I would have done uh, for that swing, that road swing, I would have done Jake Allen, Samuel Montembeau, Samuel Montembeau, Jake Allen. So he would have done Seattle. He would have Uh, bookended it. Yeah, he would have bookended it. Like that's how I would have played it. Again, like I'm not, you know, I'm not out here saying that I'm a better coach coach than Martin St. Louis. I'm just saying that Jake Allen doesn't need to play as much as he's playing when Samuel Montembeau is doing so well. And I wonder if there's like a concern that they don't want to overplay Samuel Montembeau because now he's shown this potential and they want him to keep it going. So maybe that's it anyway, but I'm not, I'm not, but I, I, I'm going to give him an up for being back on an upward trajectory despite the Saturday game. And I will agree with that too, just because like it's five on three power plays that he got scored on. Like, what do you do against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in that situation? Like, like a five on three, right? Yeah, it's it's not easy and it's not great. Um, one of my ups for my second spot is I actually had Xavier Simino in that spot. Um, our friend Hattie at Lockdown NHL Prospects did an episode about him, so please go check that out. One of the very few bright spots on an inconsistent Rocket team, second in the AHL in rookie scoring. He's on an AHL only deal and he's going to be an absolute nuisance. He, he plays 900 miles an hour. Every shift does not care how big someone is. It's hard to not love everything. This kid does. He's five foot six and will fight dudes a foot taller than him. He doesn't care at all. And he, in, in a, he doesn't care about size. He cares a lot, arguably more than a lot of other people on the team might be. He's he's the guy I'm very excited about being on an NHL contract next year because he's just going to pester his way onto the team. And you know what? Great, because he's going to just drive goalies nuts. Like I'm imagining Xavier Simino and Jordan Bennington coming together, and it's going to be hilarious because Bennington's going to swing a stick and miss because Simino is five foot six, and Simino is going to like punch him in the stomach or something. Um, to keep on the prospect train trend here, I have a split third place one. Uh, wait, wait, if, can I guess? Can I guess? Yes. Oh, and Beck and Lane Hudson. 
it's not Owen Beck, surprisingly, but it isn't one of our short kings. It is Sean Farrell of the Harvard Crimson, and it is Lane Hudson. Uh, Lane Hudson, who continues to be potentially setting a Division One uh, points-per-game record as a freshman at Boston University. He's outpacing what Cal McCarr did, and I'm not saying Lane Hudson's going to be Cal McCarr, but I am saying Lane Hudson's pretty damn good at hockey right now. <laughs> and everyone who's listened to this show knows that I have been on the Sean Farrell train since before he was drafted. I love this kid. I think he's going to get a contract in the offseason here, and he's going to be instantly one of the biggest prospect pieces that Canadians can add to their NHL team, and it makes me giddy. I don't think Hudson signing in the offseason unless the Canadians truly see something that we do not. I think he's back at Boston for at least another year. But the Canadians' top prospects in the NCAA are scary. Same with the ones in the OHL. And this is why, you know, I love Sean Monahan. If the price comes in and there's a first-round pick to be had or a high second-round pick, you take it and you run. Do because it. you can get Sean Farrell's and Lane Hudson's and Owen Beck's and that we love Owen Beck's and Lane Hudson's and Sean Farrell's on this podcast especially. Yes, we love the short kings and the steady uh, second line centers slash with with a potential higher ceiling. Um, I I'm just so happy with the with the future of this team and and the thing is like in the last couple of years I found that I haven't really found somebody that's been this touted that has disappointed. You know, Caden Gooley has been better than advertised. Cole Caulfield there were high expectations better than advertised. Nick Suzuki had a slow start to his NHL career. You know, for like all of three or four games and then he became this amazing player. Like. I think the Canadians are starting to figure it out across these front offices. And and hopefully this current one is much better than the first one. I think they figured out how to get the best out of these really promising players. So for me, a high second rounder, I'll take it. I'll take it for anybody. Investing in player development is a, it's no longer a, if you can manage it, it's a, you do this or your franchise will not advance forward the way that you want, which means you spend more money in free agency and et cetera. You don't want to build your team that way. You can supplement it with pieces, but you have to build with what you have in the program. And yeah, you might have crap for a couple of years or a long time, but then once you get that focus in there and that's what the Canadians are doing and that's how you get Lane Hudson at 62nd overall and Owen Beck and Vincent Zoros and all these guys, good scouting, good player development goes a long way towards uh, showcasing what, the Canadians can be in the future and not everyone's going to hit at the NHL level. They might be great NCAA players. You know what? You don't know until you find out. Um, As we said, uh, our Tuesday morning episode, when you hear that will be with Erica of locked on Kraken. It's going to be a good time previewing that game, talking Shane Wright, Slavkovsky and everything else. We will have Canucks and Kraken recaps Tuesday night for Wednesday morning after the games are over because West coast games are the devil. And as always, thank you so much for listening. If you were watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed, ring the bell so you get notified every time we post a brand new video. You can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick. You can follow myself at Scott Matla on Twitter. And as always, everybody, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see y'all next time.